Welcome to another episode of the EQ Elevator podcast where we use or I use emotional intelligence concept and framework to shed light and build bridges when it comes to digitalization challenges, especially cybersecurity. So we can work together, join forces from a people perspective, from a perspective of humanity and build stronger bridges that won't break under the storm. Today we're going to talk or tackle a very big challenge, a massive challenge for societies and businesses across the globe. And that is being scammed, tricked into clicking on links via email, via mobile text or via other means. So basically this is called phishing, smishing, you have whaling as well. So these are all different names to basically convey the same message. Criminal scammers, people who have an intention to scam you, to fraud you, to manipulate you, which is in their best interest and not your best interest. They want you to click on something so they can then proceed and extract information from you. It will lead either to identity thefts, credential theft, stealing your data, or even a preparation for a subsequent ransomware attack. Now, some of us may get, if we don't understand the concept of cybersecurity on a more practical level, we may get fearful and we may think, ah, this is fear mongering. I'm not going to listen to it. It's not going to happen to me. This is not necessarily fear mongering, but unless we continue to turn our heads and shy away from subjects we don't understand because they seem too technical or too complex, we're not going to address the root cause of the issue, which is what I'm going to discuss high level during this episode. I'm not going to go into detail on what kind of phishing attacks there exist, what technology there exists that actually reduces the risk and contains damage control, if you like, when someone does click, or the systems that are in place that test people. I'm not going to touch upon that. That is technical security. There's a plethora of information, reports, and studies that have been done. What I am going to talk about is something more long-term, part of leadership and part of a security culture that can help address the root cause and significantly minimize the human service attack when it comes to phishing emails. Now, with that said, what, let's look at the challenge. What are, in general, phishing attacks? To give it a definition that I'll be using throughout this podcast, it's phishing attacks are a persistent threat to organization. And criminals, they find innovative ways to manipulate people's emotions, whether it's fear, anxiety, worry, or connection, belonging, and trust to deceive employees in getting access to their cloud-based infrastructure, to their personal email accounts. And in today's age of Internet of Things, everything is connected. So often our personal devices are connected with our professional devices. So once they get a foot or a hand or a ligament in your personal device, it's easy for them to get it also in your professional device. And the main challenge is to develop a sustainable long-term solution that not only educates employees about it through awareness campaigns, but also gets them to act differently as part of a shift in mindset 
in how we respond to emails in general and how we respond to information. Because it's important to find the sweet spot. We don't want complete zero trust in the digital age because all of us, most of us, are working online. I myself, I'm an entrepreneur. I reach out to people. So what I do is I make the effort to make videos to really bring that human touch to it and reduce the risk of making it, having people doubt whether it's a phishing attack. And even with my video and my face and my smile, still people think it's deep fake AI or an automated software solution, which is okay, right? You're not gonna eradicate it, but it's not visible, especially when you work in marketing, when you work in sales, when you work in partnership outreach. We are, have to reach out through digital means. And if you're going to have the mindset, I'm not going to click on any email because it might be dangerous, then we are missing out on the connection that can build opportunities, that can join forces to overcome challenges and build thriving economical societies. Now, that was a bit philosophical monologue, but the, th the main objective is to first speak correct English. I will keep saying this. <laughs> I know I must annoy some people already. I need to find new grammatical. Maybe I will start speaking French. It will be even worse. <laughs> the Tour Eiffel, Eiffel Tower will just collapse when they hear me speak French. <laughs> okay, back to phishing attacks. So it's to find that sweet spot. And when, like we have a saying in Dutch, vertrouwen is goed, controle is beter. Trust is good, checking is better. So it's about being in the right mindset to check without fear, but with calmness while being grounded and with certainty to have a certain process, a checklist or an awareness of in what mood you are and how that mood may impact the way you respond, the way you respond to emails, the way you respond to these online frauds. With that said, again, I'm going to dive right into it. I'm not going to go into the different types of phishing attacks. We're going to use the general definition of getting your employees or getting yourself to click on the link or to deceive you so you can, they will access your information. So let's look at the EQ toolkit model first and the five skills and how it relates specifically to phishing emails and phishing attacks. And the first one is self-perception. Recognizing our own emotions and reaction is important. So consider a scenario, for example, where an email is marked with urgent, claiming to be from your bank or claiming to be from an important institution. If you have an enhanced self-perception, you will recognize that perhaps the meaning you give to the bank if you are financially broke or if you have a lot of money on your bank account and you fear losing it, it may cause emotions of panic and anxiety. So it may make you react quickly versus taking a step back. And when you have enhanced self-perception, so specifically emotional awareness, you can first label the emotions you feel, whether it's in your head, whether it's journaling, whether it's articulating. What it does, it calms down your alarm response and can make you look at things from a more broader perspective and not a tunnel-induced 
stress-induced vision, right? So for example, let's say an employee, Jim receives an email claiming to be from their bank, asking him to update their account details. So maybe Jim feels a surge of anxiety within him and he pauses actually to assess the email critically. He understands that this is important. Let's recall some basic steps. How does the bank usually contact them? Do they send messages usually within the mobile app or within the dashboard? Or can he go in his dashboard or in his mobile app application that he's used to access and check there? Can he call or contact the bank himself? And we don't necessarily think of the basic steps when we feel fear or anxiety, those emotions. So an enhanced self-perception can really help you take a step back and look at the situation from, okay, what would normally happen or what would I normally do or what would they normally do? And that's self-expression. This is really important self-expression because nobody or most of us don't like to stand out. Most of us don't like to feel that we are going against the grain or we are not actually doing what everyone else is doing. This is why they did several social experiments and researches where if one person was walking by a homeless person who was lying on the ground, no one did anything. They just walked by until one person deviated from the norm and helped them. And then other people came. We often see this in the workplace as well. If no one is doing it, first we check, right? Because we don't necessarily want to be the first one unless we are, we have rebellious blood and DNA in our DNA. So this is important because if you don't have a psychological safe space, people may notice red flags. People may notice something is off, but they will feel uncomfortable reporting it because John, Doe, Sarah, Brian, Fatima are not business as usual. So they don't want to stand out. And when you foster this culture of healthy levels of self-expression and make people feel safe and rewarded for speaking up, even if it's nothing, it's better if they speak up and it's nothing, if they keep silent and it is something. Often when we look at infiltration techniques from cyber criminals, we've seen cases that from ransomwares, they were in months before the attack actually was executed. This was the case with the colonial pipeline attack. This was the case with the health service executive in Ireland. They infiltrated the networks way before the actual ransomware attack happened. Now, if you train people to feel comfortable to speak up, you can significantly reduce the human surface attack risk of having unwanted actors, scammers, criminals getting into your business, into your cloud, into your infrastructure, into your network. Interpersonal relationship, this is another. You really want to cultivate a strong, trusting relationship with security teams. From my experience within NATO, we actually were ingrained with a security-first mindset. Most of us, we didn't fear security, and we also didn't fear getting a warning if we did something wrong, because it was considered normal that people make a mistake and you were not judged if you did. However, you were trained 
and you were educated on a daily, consistent basis of the implication of your action. It was taken seriously. And we had a good relation, most of us, at least in my experience, I had a very good relationship with the security officers. I still remember him very well, very friendly, open, and I felt comfortable coming forward. Most of us felt comfortable coming forward, but something seemed off, right? Because in NATO, we were often targets of person of interest. There was a lot of attention for commercial espionage, for data espionage, for state actors, etc. So we felt very comfortable. And this is what you want to create from the security team to really empower them with human skills, with interpersonal relationship skills that they can use to build strong relations across functional departments and to create that safety to ring the alarm bell or to have an open relationship and overshare rather than undershare and then finding out it's too late. Making sound decisions under pressure is key. We can be brilliant, we can be intellectually heightened, we can have extremely crafted analytical decision-making capabilities, but when we feel stress, when we feel fear, when we feel anxiety, that impairs our ability to make sound decisions and have judgment on what we receive. For example, if you're someone who is having a health condition or if you've experienced someone close to you having a health condition and you're contacted by someone who is impersonating your health service provider, you are going to react based on the emotion of fear that you feel deep down. So it's important to understand that how do my, how does my English again, how, or grammatical English in this case, using the right words in the right sequence, Nadia, how do my emotions influence the way I respond to this email and why? So here is labeling and articulating your emotions. I feel fear because of A, B, C, D. So I will just acknowledge it, let it pass. Emotions are energy emotion. They pass if we let them and not hold on to them. And then you can make a much more rational decision from a broader perspective. Stress management. People who have low levels of stress tolerance, people who have low levels of flexibility, and people who have low levels of optimism, they may react or are likely to react with a lot of anxiety, worry, and fear, even when navigating a crisis. When they hit a, or when they click on an email, and they know they have done something wrong, perhaps the anxiety and fear will either convince them to push it under the rug because they won't be able to deal with the aftermath. They will make a much bigger deal out of it, procrastinate before going to the IT department. And even if you are part of the incident response plan or part of the crisis management team or in a leadership position and you need to manage and lead your team, if you are low on these areas, you're likely to make more mistakes that will increase the human service attack. Because remember, cyber criminals, those who are sophisticated and well-resourced and planned, they don't stop at the first door. They have a plan and a strategy in opening as many doors as they can and going as deep as they can. And the more panic and the more error is made, the more easier you make it for them. And again, this is not to exercise fear monitoring. It's to become aware and use this information as a weapon to defend yourself better from a human shield perspective.
Now let's quickly look at the elevator approach on how this framework, looking at it from four different floors in this case, can help you. Now the first floor, let's say in this case, Rachel. Rachel gets an email from the IT department about an important security update required on her computer. She examines her reaction to the email and realizes that the urgency is created because of the anxiety she feels, which already may be a red flag. Now, this is looking at it from her perspective. When she looks at it from an IT perspective, she can think about, take a step back, is this the way IT would communicate? Usually, they provide notice about these updates well in advance, so the sense of urgency is a red flag. And if she doesn't take a step back and put herself and reflect from the IT department, she may not realize this. So this is why it's important to look at how we would react and how our emotions are playing a role, but also on the other person. And then when she takes an observer perspective on the third floor, she can then look at the situation from a neutral perspective and just look at the very basic trivial things. Often when they send emails, they look very professional, but then they have Gmail at the end. Any professional, even if they are really professional, they're using Gmail. For me, it's a red flag because it means that you're not necessarily that credible if you're using a Gmail account. Alphabet and spherical alphabet, the way we write A, it's very small and trivial that we don't necessarily see when we are focused or when we feel stressed or when we just overload it. So when we take a step back and just look at thing, these things from a neutral observer perspective, we notice these things. We notice. I always Google people, right? If I'm really am interested in what they have to offer, what to say, I look at their LinkedIn profile. I go on Google. I invest the time up front is one minute because the one minute will save me a lot of pain later on. And even with this caution, you still will run a risk. It's not about eradicating the risk because you won't. There will always be residual risk. You cannot eradicate phishing emails. But I do believe we can reduce the risk significantly in looking at practical solutions to empower people to build those emotional firewalls and to respond and not react by better understanding themselves and using the emotional intelligence framework. And when we look at it from a fourth floor, she can, Rachel in this case, reflect on, okay, but what are the policies when it comes to reporting phishing attacks? Is it easy for me to report suspicious activities without fearing feeling judged or being judged without feeling that I may be investigated because the security team seems so serious and maybe fearful even in some cases, security people in cause more fear than understanding. And again, this is not necessarily intentional. It also depends on your own way of communicating because often security people, they understand the huge consequences and impact of these breaches, which makes it extremely difficult for them when they're working in an environment when the risk is not perceived at the same intensity. So we, we have to build this understanding at where do people come from and shed light and reduce organizational blindness and bring these teams together to create a more safer, secure footprint for businesses, for societies in the digital decade. 
So I hope that this episode has given you a glimpse on how you can actually use emotional intelligence to build a healthier, sustainable culture and reduce the risk of falling prey to phishing attacks even further for a more sustainable outcome. And if you'd like to learn more, check out Thrive with EQ. There are three different ways that I can help you. I use the framework of preparedness, resilience, and readiness to make sure that you embody resilience 2.0. So not only do you bounce back from challenges in the digital age of disruption, but you bounce back stronger and riser with more innovation potential, with more creativity and with a more cohesive team to rise above the storm of the cyber sea of threats. Thank you for listening and I look forward to next week's episode. Bye. Thank you for tuning into the EQ Emotional Intelligence Elevator Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and gained valuable insights into the world of emotional intelligence. To learn more about Thrive BTQ and Nadia's mission to build stronger, more resilient workplaces through higher levels of emotional intelligence, visit our website at thrivebtq.com. You'll find a plethora of EQ leadership resources, tools, and services to help you and your organization thrive. Thank you again for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and share with your friends and colleagues. As always, keep thriving with EQ.